Happy five-year anniversary, Trace Church. <clears throat> I have got a lot more gray in my beard than I thought after watching that video. Uh, guys, uh, let me be really clear. And uh, if you know us, then you know this to be true already. Uh, this is not about us. This is about Jesus and all that he's accomplished in and through this church and in through his people over the last five years and all the things that we've gotten to celebrate and I think of our mantras, I think that we have set out from the very beginning, uh, whether it was year one or year five, that we wanted to elevate both truth and grace, that we wanted to embrace those far from God, that we wanted to empower everyone to share the gospel, that we wanted to remove obstacles to get people to Jesus because we can't change their lives, but Jesus can. And so when we look forward to the next five years, that's what we're committed to. That's what we want to continue to do. And we know there's a lot of people here today that, honestly, this story wouldn't have been possible without you. Some people have been here from day one. Some people moved up here from Arizona to help us start this church that are still with us. We know that there's people that are watching online today that didn't get the opportunity to be here. And maybe, you, uh, maybe you've never even gotten a chance to step, in, step foot in this church, but you've supported us financially. And we just want to let you know uh, from the bottom of our hearts uh, how incredibly grateful we are for the story uh, that you have helped to tell in this place. And so I've asked my lovely wife to just share a prayer with us really quick, and then I'm going to jump into my sermon. Heavenly Father, I am just so um, overwhelmed by your mm. blessings and so grateful for every person that's here. God, you have answered our prayers um, abundantly more than we ever could have asked or imagined. Mm. Um, you've brought the right people, God. You, you continue to bring the right people, God, and you are moving. Your Holy Spirit is working in this place. Yes. We're going to see evidence of that today through baptism, and we're so excited. Yeah. So I just pray today is an, an amazing celebration, God, um, and I do continue to pray for the next 5, 10, 15, however many years we're blessed to do ministry here, God. Yeah. Um, we are thankful for you. We want to be your conduit. We want to be used, and I pray that this place will be just rife with with ministry um, and lives being changed and stories being shared that point to you, Jesus. Yeah. We love you, and we are thankful for today and for all that you will do. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can you give it up for my lovely wife as she... Well, hey, I definitely want to take a moment really quick and just say welcome to those of you that are here for the first time, whether you accepted an invitation from a friend, maybe you saw one of our church signs that says church doesn't suck, maybe you got an invitation in the mail and you decided to take us up on that invitation. I truly do want to let you know that we're incredibly grateful that you're here and that you've joined us today. And believe it or not, I actually try to put myself in your shoes a lot. Like, honestly, I really do. I try to think about, because I've been here for the last five years, and so I try to think about what, what is it like to walk in here for the first time? Like, I really do try. I think it's a helpful kind of exercise that I go through. What is it like to walk into this church for the first time? And I can't possibly know what or how you would answer that, but my guess is, my guess is that you're probably asking yourself a question. Is this a place that I can belong? Like, truly, is this a place that I can belong in? Maybe there are several reasons why you specifically are asking that question. Maybe you're asking that question because you're wondering, if they really knew what was happening behind the scenes of my life, like if they pulled the curtains back and they actually saw how broken and how messy my life is, would I really be accepted here? Is this really a place that they would love me just as I am? And I want to let you know the answer is yes, that this is a place that you can belong, that this is a place that regardless of how your story reads, listen to me, regardless of how your story reads up until today, it's welcome here. You're welcome here. You matter to us. And more importantly than that, you matter to God. But maybe some of you are also asking that question, hey, is this a place? You know, you're walking in here for the first time, is this a place that I can belong in? Maybe 
maybe your posture in asking that question has more to do with your doubts. Maybe you were raised in the church. Maybe this was something you kind of adopted from a family. It was a part of the family dynamics of being raised in a church, and then you kind of got to a point in your adult life, and you started asking some real questions, some adult questions, and now you're at a place where you're like, I'm not sure what I believe. And, I've, and maybe you have been at churches before in the past that you didn't feel comfortable to voice those doubts, and I need to let you know today that this is a place that you can belong before you believe. We want this to be a safe place where you can come and you can wrestle with your doubts, that you can ask hard questions. And we don't have all the answers, but we have a lot of them. And the reason we have a lot of them is because we believe God's word gives us a lot of clarity in a lot of those things. And we do, we'll do our best to help you to move towards truth. But maybe, one more thing, maybe some of you are actually asking that question, hey, is this a place that I can belong? Or maybe is this a place that I want to belong? Because for you, you're coming in here with a story of what we often call church hurt. Whether it was a condemning pastor, a toxic culture, or some kind of spiritual abuse, unfortunately I get to hear these stories all the time. And so maybe for you, as you're coming in here, you're actually asking the question, do I want to belong? Because it was hard for you to show up today, because if you were being completely honest, you would say, I don't know how much more effort I wanna put into places like this, and listening to people like me. And so if that represents your story today at all, I want to let you know that I'm so incredibly grateful that you haven't given up. And if I can continue to encourage you, don't give up. By no means have you walked into a perfect church today, but I do believe you've walked into a healthy church. And I believe that places like this truly do help you to discover the more that God created you for. I really do believe that church, the local expression of God's church that he put into motion 2,000 years ago, I believe that this will help you to realize that, yes, you were created on purpose and for a purpose. And so, again, this is not a, not a perfect church, but this is a place where everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. No one is perfect, but anything, anything is possible. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. I'm going to call, call this sermon the, the Theology of a Long Table and to kind of enter into some of the things I'd like for us to, to discuss today. Uh, I'm going to be in Luke's Gospel. And so if you're new to church, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four Gospels. And we're going to be in Luke's Gospel in chapter 7. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up to Luke 7 or you can turn, your, turn them on if you look at it through an app. Or if you don't have a Bible with you today, you can follow along on the screen. So we're going to jump into Luke chapter 7, and I'm going to begin in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, and she brought in a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet. Now keep in mind, just to kind of give you a more accurate image of what this table setting would have looked like, they would have been reclining on the floor, and you can imagine Jesus' feet kind of being behind him. Okay, so she's behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And so maybe the first question that we should ask as we begin to read this text is, what was this woman's story? Like, we know that she was an immoral woman, and most scholars would agree that she was likely a prostitute, but we, what, what we don't know is how did she land there? I mean, based on her posture and what she immediately does when she gets to the feet of Jesus and she begins to break down and she begins to cry, it kind of looks like she's been walking with a lot of regret. 
She's been walking with a lot of shame for a very long time, and all of that comes to the surface when she stands before who she believes to be the Messiah, the Son of God. And it all begins to kind of break for her. And I think it's healthy for us at times, instead of just reading through some narrative, that we actually take a moment and think about, like, how did she land here? I can assure you when she was a little girl, she didn't say, you know what I want to be when I grow up? And so maybe... We could think through a couple different scenarios. It's possible that her family died when she was just a little girl, right? Maybe she was a, just a, a single kid and her parents died and she really didn't know what to do to take care of herself and some unhealthy man was entered into her life and showed her that she could use her body to make some extra income. Maybe she was abused by an uncle or a cousin growing up. And then later on she got married and she thought things were going to be different and then her husband leaves her and she's got a kid and she doesn't know how to take care of her kids she doesn't know what to do but she does remember that at one point in her life her body was exploited and if that's what men want maybe she could do that in order to just to take care of her kid we don't know what her story is but what we know is that she's filled with shame and regret and so for her we could easily say that she just feels ashamed Maybe that's where some of you are at today. And if this is you, I want to let you know that you can have a seat at the table. I want to let you know that I've sat in this chair before. To be clear, not because I was a prostitute. But I know what it's like. I, I do. I know, I know what it's like to not feel worthy of God's love. I, I know what it's like to have been living in sin, to be living in such a way that what I knew that I was doing was wrong and I kept doing it anyway. And so I know what it's like to sit in this chair. And so if anybody here today is represented through this particular story in some sort or fashion, I want to let you know that you can have a seat at our table. In verse 39, it continues, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, so the Pharisee, this religious leader, invited Jesus to his house, this this you know, adulterous woman comes in. She sits at the feet of Jesus. When the Pharisee who had invited saw this, he said to himself, now make a note of this. He's saying it to himself. He's not saying it out loud. So he's saying it under his breath or even just in his thoughts. He says, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him, that she is a sinner. He was really quick to point out her flaws. He was really quick to remind her of who she was. And the fact that Jesus was not saying what this Pharisee, this religious leader, thought that he should say, that he should be condoning her and condemning her, uh, not be condoning her and condemning her and pushing her out of the house, the fact that Jesus is not doing this, like the Pharisee's really struggling. If this is a man of God, there's no way that he would allow this woman, who is a sinner, this adulterous woman, to actually be sitting at his feet. Have you ever noticed that there will always be people in your life that will want to remind you of who you were? You ever notice this? There will, there will always be people in your life that want to remind you of who you were. And oftentimes it's because they, they're not really excited about where they've arrived in life. And so instead of just dealing with the disappointments and dis discouragements from their own life, they'd actually rather challenge the breakthroughs and the steps that you have made to actually improve your life. I want you to hear this. Listen to me. I promise you, somebody needs to hear this today. Our enemy, our enemy would like nothing more than to convince you that one particular scene of your life is the rest of the story. In other words, your failures, in some extent, have a final resolution to them. 
Your enemy wants to convince you that, yes, this scene happened in your life, but this scene is going to dictate the rest of your future. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus passionately wants to break that narrative in your life. Because through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you don't have to be tied to your past. That your past, yes, as much pain that comes with it, doesn't have to dictate your future. That Jesus came to give us a new life. I want you to think for a second about the last few scenes of Jesus' life. We see a scene that is, is stained in all of our minds of a man on a cross, crucified, so that our sin can be forgiven. But a few scenes later, we see this same man walk out of a grave. And if we're not careful, what happens is we get stuck on the things that we're nailed to instead of knowing what we can walk out of. Can I say it again? That we get stuck on the things that we've been nailed to because of our past and our mistakes, but we get to walk out of the tomb with Jesus and walk into new life because of what he conquered. The fact that he conquered death means you can walk in new life today, and you should say amen to that. You've heard me say it before. Jesus will always be a better savior than you are a sinner. But some of you, some of you right now, this would describe you. Yeah, Aaron, but you don't know how jacked up the behind-the-scenes footage of my life is. And so for you, you still kind of fall into this category where you feel like, but I'm too far gone. Too much brokenness, too many mistakes, too much crap in my closet. And I'm here to let you know today that that's not true, that listen to me, no one's too far gone to receive the grace of God But if that's where you're at, you can have a seat at our table. But maybe this isn't you. Maybe this is. Maybe for you, you can identify a little bit more with the Pharisee, this religious leader. Because for you, if you're being honest, you know that you're pretty quick to point out the faults and failures in others. And that you've learned that, Man, I don't have to take the time to sit down and listen to anybody's story. And as long as I don't know their story, it's kind of easier just to throw a label on them from a distance. Social media has given us plenty of opportunities to do this, right? Where you don't have to sit down and listen to somebody's story. You don't get to hear about the pain in their life and maybe why they've arrived where they have arrived, even though you may completely disagree with them. And so it's just easier for you to throw a label at them. Flaming libs. Racist Republicans. What's yours? Maybe, you know, those punk patriot fans. That's fair. That one's fair. That one's fair. You know, in my position, those predator pastors or priests. What about this one? Those baby killers. Let me enter some tension with you. I don't mind doing that. Do we believe that abortion is a sin? It's clear, absolutely. Do we believe that gives anyone right to condemn them and throw stones? No. I've yet to sit down down and talk with any woman who's actually had an abortion who didn't still feel deeply wounded by that decision. Now, there may be some out there, I'm sure there are, but every woman that I've ever talked to that's gone through and, and made that mistake and made that decision the wound that is there. And so can I just ask you today, is that, is that our purpose? Is that what Paul meant when he said in Galatians where he says, hey, if you actually carry each other's burdens, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Is that how we carry burdens? Just heap, heap helplessness through our labeling and through our judgment? 
We just heap more helplessness on people that have made a decision that they're not proud of, that has left a wound in their life? Or, do, or is it our job, church, as followers of Jesus, to breed hope, breed hope back into people's lives? And so if this represents you today, which to some extent it probably represents all of us, at least a little bit, I think what Jesus says next to us is actually really, really important. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Remember, Simon had had thought those things, but he didn't say them out loud. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one from whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said, that's right. (laughs) That's right. Anybody else, you know, we say this is a place where you can stop pretending. And so feel free to raise your hand here if you want. I will. I don't mind doing it. Anybody else feel like they just got a lot of things they needed to be forgiven for? Anybody else? Yeah, lying, stealing, cheating. Me too. Lusting, greed, drunkenness, me too. Drugs, sexual sin, me too. Setting the high school gymnasium on fire when I was eight years old, me too. Is that just me? (laughs) That's just me. That's a story for another day. The consequences of those sins are still very real today. But you need to know, you need to know that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we are forgiven. That if you'll invite him to be the leader and Lord of your life, that you are forgiven, that you can walk in the freedom of forgiveness today, that you can walk freedom from your sin. Yes, there is still consequences from the the decisions that we've made, and all of us just got to own up to that. We get, it's like, I know, like nobody has to convince me. I know that the things that I was doing in my life were wrong. I know that even some of the decisions I've made at certain points in my life would be seen as detestable. And even though the consequences of our sin maybe don't always go away, the stain of our sin can. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, if you'll invite him to be the leader and Lord of your life, he says that he'll give you forgiveness. And the old will be made new. But I want to talk about that really quick. Because for the old to be made new, then that means we have to walk in new life. But some of you, if I can just challenge you this morning as your pastor, some of you, even though you know that you're forgiven and you know what Jesus has done for you, you're still walking in unfaithfulness. You're still doing things despite the new life that God wants you to walk in. And it doesn't mean any of us are ever going to walk in perfection. But you know you kind of just stiff-armed the Holy Spirit and you decided to kind of do your own thing. And when somebody says, hey, do you know that Jesus died for you? Yeah, 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 I know all of that. You know that you're forgiven. But it's almost as if you're taking advantage of that in an unhealthy way. And to that, I think the Apostle Paul would say this. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So can I just ask you today, even though you know it, are you walking in it? 
Or are you still walking in the old life that Jesus came to save you from? Because when he walked out of that grave, he was creating a path for you to walk in new life. Yes, there is more that I believe he has created you for. Because all of us were created on purpose and for a purpose. And you can know it, but you can still not walk in it. And so can I encourage you this morning to step into it? Because he's got more for you, just like he had for this woman who finds herself at his feet. Let me show you how this ends. Then he turned to the woman. Now I want to do this because I think this is probably one of the most beautiful imageries that we see in Scripture that we often overlook. Because I want to show you what, what he actually says. It says, then he turned to the woman, okay? So if I'm Jesus and she's at my feet, it says he turned to the woman, but he's talking to Simon. He's turning, he's looking at the woman, but he's talking to Simon. And so as he looks at the woman, he says this, Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the first time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and this is kind of a funny tagline, it's almost like he winks at her, and there are many, and there are many, have been forgiven. She has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And I don't think Jesus is paying any attention to them. And I think if he's trying to get a message through to you today, all that noise around your life right now, whatever that noise could be, people trying to hold you back, maybe that sin that you feel stuck in right now, those things that right now you may still be pretending don't exist, but you know they exist, all those things, all that noise around you that may be keeping you from stepping into the more that God created you for. I think God is trying to help you to see today, hey, I need you to start, start ignoring those things. I need you to start stepping away from those things. I need you to start moving in my direction. And if you do, not only will you be saved, but I believe we can start walking away in peace. Anybody want any peace in their life today? If you want a strong theology, church, if you want a strong theology, I think you first have to start paying attention to the table that Jesus was setting and who was invited, who was invited to that table. You see, Jesus was inviting people to his table that religion rejected. Can I say it again? Jesus was inviting people to his table that religion rejected. It's a long table. It's a long table where everyone's welcome, no one's perfect, but all things are possible. If you were to come over to our house, uh, you would see a long table like this, even longer. It seats about 10 people, and underneath that table are a bunch of names. We have people write their names on it when they come and they break bread with us. Underneath that table, you're going to see names of our friends, family members, sometimes even a complete stranger who joined us at Thanksgiving. There are straight people, there are gay people, honestly, sometimes just some weird people that have been around our table. We've had women around our table that would represent the woman in the story that we read today. We've had people around our table that would betray our friendship in significant ways. We've had wives around our table that are hiding from abusive husbands, prior convicts and criminals, missionaries and misfits, and even a few semi-famous people, believe it or not. 
And that's our house. <laughs> and so you can imagine when Emily and I wanted to start a church five years ago. Actually, it was six years ago because when we started this church, it was actually in our living room six years ago. It just became official five years ago. But when we started this church, you can imagine that we didn't want to see anything different than what we wanted to see in our own house. We wanted to have a church with a long table where everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect and all things are possible. A place where sin, don't miss this, please. A place where sin didn't dismiss anyone, but also a place where sin would not be dismissed. And yes, there's tension there. It's the tension between truth and grace. So welcome to Trace. It's for people like you and me, people with hurts, habits, and hangups, those who have been bruised and accused and abused. Trace is just as much for the pastor as it is for the pimp. It's for those who suffer and those who limp. It's for the rich and the poor and the single mom who says right now that she can't take any more. Traces for the arrogant and the humble and those who can't speak, so they just mumble. The athlete, the monk, and the couple who feels their marriage is all but sunk. Traces full of prayers that go unspoken. And that struggling teenager who feels lost and broken. Trace invites those who wear rags and those well-dressed. Heck, we'll even make a spot for Kanye West. It's for the prostitute and the gay man. And believe it or not, even a Patriots fan. We call this a safe place where you can stop pretending, even when your life feels like it's upending. We believe no one is too far gone to receive God's grace. So regardless of how your story reads, welcome to Trace. And maybe today, maybe today you can find freedom from your sin. All you have to do is to invite Jesus in. And even right now, if you don't think that is plausible, remember that at the table of Jesus, everyone is welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything is possible. Come on. I want to say a prayer for us, and then uh, we're going to enter into a time of response. Father, so many emotions today. And God, ultimately, I'm thankful personally what you've taught me over the last five years, how you've humbled me. And God, hopefully prepare me to lead this church into the next five years with even more Christ-likeness. Father, I'm so thankful for all the stories of life change that are represented in this room. God, I'm so thankful that you give us a clear illustration of how long your table actually is, that no one is too far gone to receive the grace of God. I pray this church always represents that. And although we know that grace meets people right where they're at, we also know that truth, your truth, doesn't leave people where they're at. And so, God, help us to continue to embrace this tension in a healthy way. We believe the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth represent the fullness of your gospel. And we know we're going to get that wrong sometimes, so we just continue to ask for your help and the guidance of your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, for anyone in here today that maybe one of these placeholders up here represents their life, and you'd like to make some changes, I pray that they would be I pray they'd be vulnerable today. I pray they'd open their life up more to you. And if need be, that they would even surrender whatever it is they're trying to hold on to. And they would allow you to truly become the leader and Lord of their life. So God, if that needs to happen, I pray you break them down if you have to to get them there. 
whatever it takes. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.